Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Pass. <laughs> what is up, everybody? It is Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Hope you're doing well. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, yep, it's Wednesday, so we're back again with some Hump Day Bloggerama action. This is a weekly show where I take you on a guided stroll through the old RPG blogosphere. Talk about some of the cool stuff that I spotted around the uh, around on the RPG blogs this week. And then I put up all the links in order uh, over at the Thought Eater blog. So you can just Google Thought Eater blog or go to froth, S-O-F-D-N-D.blogspot.com. I'll have everything we talked about today up there for you to check out. And uh, if you're a blogger and you're listening to this, you know, maybe add the old Thought Eater blog to your blog roll uh, while you're at it. Anywho, hope you're doing well. Things are going pretty pretty well for me. Got uh, the, the, the kind of holiday festivities and things like that are, are starting up. So my daughter's going to be in this parade thing later this week. And she has a big dance recital and stuff next week. And before you know it, I'll be off of work traveling around. And so it's coming. It's coming for real now. Anyway... Uh, big show today, got a ton of stuff to get into, and um, before we get into the kind of the the creamy center of the show, a couple of things I wanted to talk about real quick during the intro. You know, one, if you didn't check out last week's show, it was really awesome. I had uh, Rob C. from Down in the Heat, one of my favorite podcasts, if not listened to it, the Down in the Heat podcast, legendary anchorite Rob C. was on, we were talking about some map stuff, and we were kind of discussing this post by the angry GM at the angry GM.com, uh, regarding mapping. And we pretty much agreed with most of what, what, what they said, but, uh, they came out pretty strongly against exploration style maps, meaning mapping, uh, that you kind of do as you play, say a hex map or someone mapping a dungeon as you play. And, uh, what, what's strange is, you know, after we talked about it, I noticed, uh, over at the angry GM, they put up a, kind of a supplement, kind of a secondary post and kind of turned around a little bit. They kind of changed their tune or, you know, amended their tune. And whereas Rob and I were talking about, uh, mapping being a, a lost art, the name of the post is actually lost player skills mapping. So, you know, I don't think uh, angry GM listened to the, uh, listened to the show, uh, or did he, but anyway, I, thought, I just thought it was interesting if you listened to that discussion last week and uh, and wanted to see this addendum that kind of talks about a lot of the stuff that Rob and I were talking about, uh, you can check that out. I've got that link over at the intro tab. Also wanted to mention friends of the program over at crumblingkeep.com have got a new holiday-themed 5e adventure up called Tenarlian, The Longest Night. Uh, you know... I like running uh, holiday theme modules. I don't know if anybody else there does. I know a lot of people will run stuff for Halloween. One of my favorite things I ever did uh, holiday-wise was uh, back in the 4E days, I ran this Thanksgiving theme module with undead turkeys and this villain known as the Pilgrim. And uh, that was still memorable to me. Uh, um, anyway, uh, so this is up now. It's got like a little, kind of like a little trailer thing and some information about it. So if you are into 5e and looking for something to run uh, during the holiday, uh, you could do a lot worse than checking out this Tenarlian Longest Night module from the folks over at Crumbling Keep, 
crumblingkeep.com. And I've got that link up under the intro tab. And uh, James over there sent me a copy of this. I thought it was really cool. Uh, kind of grimdark. So, in fact, there were like some some uh, content warnings and stuff. So, it's like, Merry Christmas, content warning. <laughs> but, but seriously. Um, anyway, so... Check that out, and another couple of things. I've got a couple of you know, a few columns we're going to get to, but I also like to mention when I spot new bloggers. Um, and I've got a couple I wanted to mention to y'all. Dice in the North. I don't think I've mentioned this one before. They started in October. Uh, they've got uh, five posts up so far. Dice in the North. This is Thriftomancer's blog. Again, I might have mentioned it before. I don't think I did, but diceinthenorth.blogspot.com. Welcome to the blogosphere. And then a brand new spanking one that's just got one post up from December 3rd. The On the Tabletop blog. Onthetabletop.home.blog. This is Aaron Clark's blog. Aaron, welcome to the blogosphere. They've got a post up in the beginning talking about how they got started with gaming. So, yeah. All right, so... A couple weeks ago on the Hump Day Blogorama, I always do, you know, we always have a map section where we take a look at some cool maps that I've been spotting. And one was this 20 foot long, ridiculous Japanese scroll map. And the incomparable Colin Green from Spike Pit uh, podcast called in to mention that there is some, you know, I thought that it would be cool for an RPG game. Spike Pit said that it's in some RPG game, couldn't remember the name. Uh, Asked if anybody knew what the, what the game was, and lo and behold, Rudy. Rudy knows what it is. Hey, Jeremy, this is Rudy from RPG Retrofit. Uh, the game uh, Colin is talking about with the scroll map is called Fall of Magic. And it's I have it. It's really good. It's about 100 bucks, But it's this big cloth scroll map. It comes in a nice, like, uh, you roll it up. It comes in this nice box. It comes with metal coins. And the coins are like basically your characters. Um, yeah, it is pretty much uh, heavily a, like a narrative kind of game. You're basically escorting this. Uh, magic is starting to fail in this fantasy world. So you have to escort this like grand uh, wizard guy to the end of the to this like to the birthplace of magic, something like that. And as you move from location to location, there's a bunch of story prompts. And then you have little scenes uh, with your characters and stuff. I think it's really cool, but it's a hundred bucks. So, but yeah, awesome. Love your stuff all the time. Always. Let's go. See you. All right. So that is Rudy there from the recently launched RPG retrofit podcast. Another legendary anchorite doing RPG podcasts here on anchor. How spoiled am I with all these anchor podcasters? So many of these folks like know every game, not, not just a couple of games, not just couple styles of game. They basically know every game. So I know if I ever throw a question out there, someone would be like, oh, that's this. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I met him at this con, 91. Yeah, it was a good time. So, yeah, Follow Magic. That sounds like a pretty cool game. Some games are like boutique-type games where, you know, maybe you don't, you run them once, but you maybe have some kind of memorable experience with like a, a campaign that you ran one time with it that sounds kind of like what that is but sounds like really high production values um cool kind of storyline i can see that here comes kitty i can see that being fun with the right group so thanks for letting me know about that i'll take a look at that and uh again sounds like really really high production values so thanks for letting everybody know what that was fall of magic sounds really interesting 
And y'all be sure and check out Rudy's podcast if you haven't already. Hey, Froth, it's Michael Shorten, Chicago Wiz from Dungeon Master's Handbook. Just wanted to thank you for the shout out to my work in progress post on the Moat House from uh, Village of Homlet's uh, module. I'm running a game at GaryCon this year um, where that little piece is going to feature. Um, got a lot more done on it. I'm going to be posting stuff here every so often about that and about uh, the game itself because believe it or not, I never have really adventured in the world of Greyhawk before. Uh, so this is kind of a little uh, learning experiment for me and, and a way to, to learn the history of D&D and, and do something cool. And who would have thought? Cardboard. Cardboard and hot glue. Um, I've got the uh, some cuts and some uh, burns from the hot glue to prove it, but it really does work. Anyway, thanks for the shout out again. Love listening to your podcast. Take care. All right. That was awesome to hear from Chicago Wiz there. Um, Dungeon Master's Handbook podcast, as well as the Chicago Wiz's Games blog. That's C-H-G-O-W-I-Z-Games.blogspot.com. I had featured uh, this model of the Homlet Moat House that they had been working on um, last week. And uh, thanks for the kind words. My pleasure to share it. I really thought that was cool and uh, what an uh, awesome gift that'll be to, to folks at GaryCon to be able to play in a really cool model, a model like that of one of the best modules ever ever written, ever conceived. Um, when you say you haven't adventured in Greyhawk, I don't know if that means you've never run Village of Hamlet before or, or just haven't, you know, set it in Greyhawk. But Greyhawk is definitely my favorite of the, you know, kind of original sort of, you know, D&D settings. Um, primarily because it kind of just sets everything up. I'm not talking about the later Greyhawk stuff, but the, the, the first, I have the, the, uh, the box, you know, that kind of expanded on the, the folio. And what I like about it is it kind of sets everything up to where it's right on the edge of conflict. It's kind of got all these possibilities that you can run with and make your own. It doesn't really tell you, um, or, you know, until the later stuff, it doesn't tell you how these things resolve themselves. So everybody has their own Greyhawk, you know. Uh, once they start a campaign, and uh, I absolutely love Hamlet, so that is, is killer. Uh, thought I'd also mention, I noticed Chicago Wiz, I, I talked about it a, a few weeks back, they had, uh, you know, they do these these three hex, popular three hex posts on their, their blog, and they started the three hexes zine, I mentioned that a few weeks back, and then I noticed the three hexes zine number two has been released, so I'll put up a link to this uh, under the intro tab as well, so that Folks can check that out. And uh, let's see, I have one more call in I was going to play. Uh, Joe Richter from Wheel or Woe and Hindsightless was calling in. I just kind of made a flippant remark last week, uh, basically mentioning that, um, you know, I hadn't picked up some of the new 5e stuff yet. I actually did pick up the stuff I didn't have yet now. Cause there, there was a, uh, a buy two, get one free deal on Amazon. So there were... A couple of 5e books that I didn't have, the new Eberron is one of them, and like that Acquisitions Incorporated, I hadn't, uh, you know, hadn't made any attempt to, to grab that real quick, because I don't, I don't know too much about Acquisitions Incorporated. But, and then also there was the, uh, the 70, I gave in, y'all, I've been playing nothing but pre, you know, 6th edition, pre-7th. Call of Cthulhu, but there's been so many cool supplements coming out for 7th edition. Uh, given the sale, I, I, I 
I broke down and, and bought the 70. I'm sure it's cool. I'm not really dogging on it. It's just, um, I know a lot of the stuff is just going to be repeated from, from previous editions and they just change a couple things, but you know, the deal was right. So, so I bought that, but anyway, I'm getting off topic. I was just talking about the five year release schedule and how at the beginning, it seemed like you're waiting a long time for books. And then now it seems like it's another book before I'm ready to, to buy another one. It just seems like the, the release schedules accelerated. I don't think it really has, maybe it has a little bit, but um, it just feels that way. And I just wondered if anybody else felt the same. And that's when Joe called in with this. What's up, Froth? It's Joe. And I just had to laugh when I was listening to your latest Hump Day Bloggerama. And you started talking about how fast the five ebooks seem to be coming out now. Because I remember just a scant five years ago, folks were talking about how 5e doesn't have the bloat of Pathfinder. It doesn't have the bloat of 3.5. And I was like, course it doesn't it just came out but they were acting like it never would and look now five years down the line and if you count all the third-party publishing stuff and if you count all the unearthed arcana it's as bloated as pathfinder ever was and pathfinder was out for twice as long so i don't know that was just an observation that i thought of anyway man keep up the great work the bloggerama things are awesome sorry about the food poisoning dude that is the pits but hopefully you're back to normal so you'll be able to eat for tomorrow. Happy Thanksgiving. Peace out. Joe Richter there again from the Hindsightless and Wheeler Woe podcast. And yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't really, when I th- think of edition bloat, I don't necessarily really count the third party stuff. I, I mean, but there certainly is, you know, on, on Saturday mornings, I, I'll put up a, a post I go through all the 5e DMs Guild free and pay what you want stuff just because it, it dawned on me. There's like, you know, there's like 50 things a week that are free or pay what you want, let alone the pay stuff. And, um, I mean, it's a ton of stuff. So I try to pick out a few things and put it on the blog because there are some really talented folks, um, putting out some of the third party 5e stuff and it, it just seemed like it was just getting buried. And, um, and so, yeah, you know, I, there's given the 5B DMs guild, I, I never thought it would be possible to have more third party stuff than the 3X, you know, three third edition, 3.5 edition had. But there is. And it's really because it's it's of the DMs guild that's really allowed that. But you know, if you just look at the official stuff, to be fair, they got a long way to go to catch up with Pathfinder. But I don't think that's a you know, I don't think calling saying that they're, Hey, your system's got tons of supplements. I don't really think that's an insult. You know, that's a, it's kind of a good thing. There, there are a lot of games that I have that I wish had more supplements. Um, and I think for Pathfinder, I think some people forget, I know Joe wouldn't have forgotten this, but you know, they, they came from, you know, doing the, the magazines, you know, the D and D magazines, subscription models, you know, and then having their adventure path, you know, stuff before the Pathfinder game came out. And so they've always worked on kind of a subscription model, more, 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 you know, monthly supplements, monthly adventures and, and, uh, and, and, and kind of kept that rolling. So, um, if there was ever a system that was going to have, a lot of supplements, it was going to be Pathfinder, I think, just given their roots and 
um, and subscription models and stuff like that. Um, but, and I think that's one of the reasons people love Pathfinder. At least when I see people talk about it, they like that system mastery aspect. They like being able to mix and match class features or the perfect item or this kind of thing from some obscure book that ends up matching up with this other book. And there was a lot of that in fourth edition, um, uh, that kind of thing too. And it's just a, you know, maybe not for everybody, different style, style of play. Um, but I think you can have fun just playing this core Pathfinder book as well. So anyway, uh, Joe, I appreciate that. And I think we're ready to get on with the show. Here we go. All right. So for the opening topic, I'm calling this one, It's Good to Be Gavin. Yeah, I'm talking about Gavin Norman of Necro- of the Necrotic Gnome RPG label. And why is it good to be Gavin? Well, because the biggest buzz right now, the biggest game kind of taking over the old school D&D uh, realm is old school essentials. They're BX kind of expansion, uh, reformatting, um, uh, you know, for, for ease of play. And, uh, man, I, I'll tell you, I've seen tons of people talking about old school essentials. So I've got, um, over, I've got John Allen large over at red dice diaries, legendary anchorite, red dice diaries.com. I've got a link up uh, doing a birthday unboxing of the old school essentials black box. I've got another review over at James Spawn's Halflings Luck blog, halflingsluck.blogspot.com, doing a review of it. And I'll tell you, you know, it tells you how much buzz there is about it because, you know, I own the original BX books. I don't even really run BX. But I still want to drop 60 pounds on this thing and buy it anyway. <laughs> you know, I want to spend almost 100 US dollars, maybe at least 100 with the shipping, to get something to just sit on my shelf that I might not even <laughs> ever look, you know. Uh, that's how many people are, are buzzing and talking about this. Um, so, a couple reviews. This is definitely a big release. I don't know. I don't know if Gavin could even see coming when they, you know, I, I, I've interacted with Gavin you know, in passing, not, nothing too in-depth. Uh, over the years, uh, followed Gavin around on uh, Google Plus and stuff, and I uh, wish Gavin all the luck in the world. Nice person, um, but I, I, I don't even know if they would have expected uh, uh, this to be as successful as it has been. Um, uh, certainly, you know, it just goes to show that deep love of BX that, uh, that so many folks have, and then also... Uh, just uh it's a testament to their the way they reorganize the books for ease of play a lot of people have responded to it i mean a lot of people have responded to it so i just think that's awesome the other thing i wanted to mention about it's good to be gavin it's because i also saw over at gabor lux aka milan's beyond fomalhout blog beyond fomalhout.blogspot.com they did a review of gavin's worm skin uh you know, Gavin and other authors, uh, Gavin's Wormskin zine, and they gave it a five out of five stars, which I don't think I've ever seen. Yeah, it says for the first time in the history of the blog, uh, they gave five out of five on something that they reviewed. And I got to tell you, uh, for that to come from 
Gabor Lux, whose echoes from Fomalhaut, I consider maybe the finest OSR zine that's available right now. That's high praise. High praise indeed. So, yeah. And then I thought uh, I should mention this while I'm on the subject of Gabor Lux. I had talked about, actually featured under the free section, a couple of levels as they were coming out of Gabor's Castle Centillion Mega Dungeon. That is now available in print. So, uh, yeah. So, another thing for y'all to spend money on, right? But anyway, I've got a link over this Wormskin review at Beyond Fumble How. You just click that banner and you should see one of the first couple posts will be about their uh, their new uh, Mega Dungeon release. But but anyway, just really wanted to congratulate Gavin uh, and, and Necrotic Gnome uh, for, for their string of successes they're putting together here. And... Uh, it's good to be Gavin. The map segment of Hump Day Blogorama is proudly brought to you by Frank Turfler, legendary anchorite of Frank T's liner notes. I've been backing Frank T's Patreon for a while. High quality, full color, world class battle maps, sci-fi, fantasy, and otherwise. Innovative print and paste terrain that brings your table to life. Multiple support tiers, including a commercial tier, which will allow you to use Frank T's creations in your own commercial projects. You can sample some of the quality of the work by looking for Frank's Free Map Friday posts. So whether you are a creator that is looking for some cartography for a new project, whether you are a GM gaming online or in person at the table, or you're just like Froth, a map junkie, and you can't get enough of this stuff. Go right now to patreon.com forward slash Frank T and check it out. All right, so let's get into some maps. Thanks again to Frank T for sponsoring the map segment of Hump Day Blogorama. If y'all haven't checked out Frank's stuff, I mean, go over patreon.com forward slash Frank T. It's got some free maps up there you can check out, print and play stuff, uh, levels where you can utilize Frank's stuff and commercial, uh, your own, you know, commercial products. So if you, if you haven't still haven't gone over there and checked that out, I'm telling you patreon.com forward slash Frank T. So I'm starting over at the ice and ruin blog, ice and ruin.blogspot.com. This is Matt Strom's blog. They put up this killer map that they have made for an end game map belonging to, uh, you know, a traveling companion of their party. And I love the artwork on this. Colorful, um, lots of labels, uh, unique style. You know, you'll have to follow, obviously go over to follow the link and check it out. But they do some close-ups of it. And I love the artwork on this. So this is a new map of the Elf Empire and Southern Isles for their home campaign. What a great in-game map this is. Check it out. Bright colors, really cool. Then... Uh, this popped up in my feed, you know, I've got the Cartographer's Guild forums on my feed, you know, I recommend it to anybody that's into uh, maps, you know, for your games, because it, it comes up like a blog, just every once in a while you'll get a cool post, and this one I had to mention, Wolf, Wolf posted Lair of the Black Orc, and this is done like a scroll map, so it's a lengthwise kind of landscape style map. Um, and it's like an awesome, uh, dungeon. And, uh, this is one that oof, it's, it's, it's killer. You'll want to use it in a game guaranteed. So you can check that out as well. Big thing I wanted to mention on, as far as the maps go, <sighs> bearded devil. Okay. Dr. Jonathan Newell. I've talked about their hex campaign that they run before 
with some of the amazing maps. Their their artwork is something like out of an eerie, uh, like an eerie otherworldly children's book or something, and and it, it's just striking. And I've featured a 5e character sheet that they've they've done, and uh, they put up a new post called More Maps, talking about another city, a rival city state of Hex, called Erubescence. And the thing is just like a pen, the streets kind of make out a pentagram of this, this city. And you look at it and it's the kind of stuff that role-playing game dreams are made of, kid. All right, well, forgive me for that, but it's the truth. Uh, and what's even cooler is they've started a new uh, serialized setting. So something like a zine called Genial Jack. And issue one is up now on DriveThruRPG. Got a link there on the Thought Eater blog for you to go over and check it out. Now, I talked to the doctor. I said, Doc, what about a print copy? Doc told me that they're on the way. You know, they're getting approved. So they got the PDF up now. By the time you're listening to this, there might already be the print up. But what was awesome is to see that they are uh, collaborating with the Lost Pages label to do the to do this product to do this series, this Genial Jacks series, Paolo Greco's Lost Pages, one of the most uh, perhaps inscrutable uh, esoteric RPG labels out there. The Chthonic Codex, one of my you know kind of prized strange RPG um, possessions. Uh, they also, the first, uh, into the odd came out on, on lost pages, lots of really unique stuff. Paolo Greco, uh, very good with layout, creative with their use of, of different paper and, and, and production quality and everything. So perfect marriage between bearded devil and, uh, and Paolo for the, for this was perfect fit for lost pages. So, you know, <sighs> The, the doc is got so much talent that it's, it would be almost impossible for them not to start to continue to blow up at some point, you know, and there's only been a couple of people I've said that about like Will Doyle. When I came across Will Doyle stuff years and years ago, I knew Will Doyle would end up, uh, you know, doing special things. And of course now they're one of the main writers for, for, uh, for wizards but uh, Dr. Newell, a.k.a. Bearded Devil, I'm telling y'all, this stuff is, is world-class. It's different. It's unique. Um, so you can expect big things to come from this. So definitely want to check out this Genial Jack. Check out these amazing maps that they do. And be sure and follow along with them to see what comes next. Speaking of amazing talents, Evelyn M. over at Le Chaudron Chromatique, the Chromatic Cauldron blog, chaudronchromatique.blogspot.com Evelyn put up a post, The Forgotten Garden. Great map. I've got an image of the map up for you on the Thought Eater blog and a link over to this. And it's it's been stocked, not just by Evelyn, but she was joined by uh, Three Toadstools, Cleo, Alex C., uh, a number of other folks uh, stocking this. So you got this whole adventure with random encounters, random treasure tables and stuff. This is fantastic. Obviously, I've already printed it to PDF and filed it away in my Evelyn M folder, but uh, I wanted to make sure you all saw this as well. The Forgotten Garden up now at chaudronchromatique.blogspot.com. And finally, I, t I had a ton of map stuff this week. I'm telling you, I actually ditched three or four things, like uh, not out of choice, just kind of out of length of it, you know. Um, 
you know, like Monkey Blood is doing this Mega Dungeon map, you know, Mega Dungeon Monday thing. I could put that up every week. Hopefully, you all are following along with that. Um, uh, Glen Seal Monkey Blood uh, .co .uk is doing uh, Mega Dungeon Monday, so that's one to to be following along. But uh, the the next thing I was going to talk about is over at Shireen's Workbench. Shireen, C-H-I-R-I-N-E-S, shireensworkbench.blogspot.com. Now, um, this person had, you know, gamed with Arneson, you know, and I don't know that, I'm, I'm not educated enough to know uh, enough about their gaming history to, to comment too, too deeply about it. But um, Shireen put up a post, Blackmore Castle map, I hope you'll pardon my amusement. And what this is talking about is these flyers they made back for Origins 1984 that, that feature a model of Blackmore Castle that Arneson had asked them to build to use as kind of like an attention getter. And they had something like 50 of these flyers. Well, one of these flyers that I've got the picture up just sold at auction for $646, just one single page. And I mean... You can just print this picture, <laughs> so save yourself the six forty six. <laughs> I mean, if I'm Shireen, I'm hitting the printer, you know. Uh, but anyway, this is a cool to see how the it was the Blackmore Castle was modeled out for uh, what they state was a three foot high plywood box based model of uh, of Blackmore Castle there for Origins nineteen eighty four. So. Interesting history and a cool map at the same time. All right, a few reviews I thought I'd mention. Not a ton of stuff this week on the review front, but um, one was over at Rolling Box Cars, rollingboxcars.com. I, I enjoy this blog. They usually do a lot of different reviews. This is uh, Dan Stack over there reviewing the John Carter of Mars RPG from Modifius. And uh, so, you know, I never read any of the uh, the, the John Carter Barsoom uh, pulp books. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know too much about it, to be honest with you. Um, I was actually thinking about, uh, watching the, the movie they made, John Carter. It got like poor reviews or maybe it didn't get poor reviews so much as just, it didn't do well because I mean, you know, it's not a lot of people into John Carter these days, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, just a few, few people. Um, but I saw that I was up on Disney plus, so I might, might check that out and watch it, but I mean the book is obviously beautiful. The artwork is uh, really, really nice, and Modifius always has really high production values. So uh, they gave it a positive review. Um, so if you want to check that out, if you're into the old pulp stuff, old Burroughs stuff, and want to read about uh, what the John Carter Mars RPG is all about, that's over at Rolling Bo RollingBoxCars.com. Then uh, I saw this. Uh, I enjoyed Jacob Hurst's work and saw that their tomb of black sand 5e module got reviewed by bryce lynch over at 10footpole.org uh, you know bryce will always find a couple things to, to you know to point out and be critical of but it's overall positive review really nice artwork and jacob's stuff always has really high production values so uh, if you're into kind of old school flavored 5e you know you like that kind of lethality a little maybe a little darkness a little weirdness mixed into your 5e this tomb of black sand might be one worth looking at that's over at 10footpole.org this one caught my eye you know i was talking about boutique games earlier when we we're talking about fall of magic you know these and I've, I've mentioned before too how a lot of these you know you'll see kickstarters that do really well the games look really cool but you maybe never never will hear anybody playing the game that's what this one i would 
you know, that this would fall in that category. This is over at geeknative.com. Nightmare Fuel, a review of Nibiru, a sci-fi RPG of lost memories. I couldn't help but be struck by the amazing cover art of this thing, reading about it. It's very interesting. There's kind of a memories of a past life kind of mechanics tying into it. The whole thing's set on a vast spaceship floating through space. Um, and you have, you know, you're kind of trying to uncover, uh, you know, why, why is there a gigantic spaceship floating through space? Uh, there's a strange creature in it somewhere known as the Leviathan. They say it's kind of a dark, uh, the artwork looks incredible. This looks like for the right person, uh, you know, uh, right group, um, one of a kind game, you know? Uh, so I, I don't mean to make that sound like critical when I'm talking. It's just, this is never going to be a mainstream game. And, uh, the, the folks I'm sure knew that when they put it together, but, uh, it looks, uh, absolutely unique and, uh, and different. So if you want to learn more about this, uh, Nibiru dark sci-fi RPG of lost memories, this is over at geeknative.com, and this is Andrew Girdwood reviewing that. All right, so there were a couple of tables, random tables I spotted that were just crying out to me. Roll on me, froth, roll on me. So, who am I not to indulge myself? I'm starting over at the Renaissance Woodsman blog, renaissancewoodsman.wordpress.com. This one is called 3, 3D10 Exceptional Weapons. Here are some tables to generate a weapon that is exceptional and special, but not explicitly magical. At most, a little mystical. Roll for a weapon, what material it's made of, and what school of smiths built it. You might have to think of some strange explanations for some combinations, but that's half the fun. So, okay, what type of weapon are we starting with? A mace. I like a good mace. Good solid mace. And what material? It is a mace made of ironwood, a rare ultra hard wood that can hold an edge. I don't need an edge, I'm using a mace. And let's see. Yeah, and it's considered plant material, not metal. So this would be good for maybe for a, a, a druid as well. And who made this thing? Ten. What school? The collaboration. Roll again. Oh, so roll twice on this table to see who worked on it. Other people worked together on this. So starting with uh, the Beast Hunters Trick Crafted. And so this means this weapon can be switched between two forms. Hmm. Okay, we're getting weird here. So it can be a mace or a mace. <laughs> I'm not even going to roll again. I'm going to stick with that. I like my mace. All right, so some cool ideas, you know, different materials, different, uh, um, you know, different properties, who made it, different kind of weapons. So this gives you some ideas to, to put some unique, exceptional weapons in your game without them necessarily being magical. And that's over at renaissancewoodsman.wordpress.com. And this one I had to roll on. Eldritch Fields, they, they often will do cool random tables. This is Tomas Kizbali's blog. Uh, and this one is called 1D8 Things That Happen When You Smoke a Magic Scroll. <laughs> so, <laughs> when talking about scroll maps and stuff, they're cool to look at. But what would happen if you smoked one, you know? 
All right, so D8 things that happen when you smoke the magic scroll. You know, I don't know. I can see maybe my group asking me that sometime. What's that scroll? Oh, it's got, you know, a couple of first level magic user spells on it and a third level. Okay, cool. Can I smoke it? <laughs> I've got at least one player that <laughs> might ask me that. All right, let's see. What happens when you smoke the magic scroll? Got an eight. The next monster you encounter is actually an NPC from the campaign wearing a rubber mask. You must chase each other through a non-Euclidean hallway with the Beach Boys playing in the background. <laughs> All right. Let's do one more of these. Smoking that magic scroll. Chills, not thrills. You suffer the effect of the slow spell for one hour, but get a plus one bonus on all saves. Cool, man. Really cool. All right, let's get into some free stuff. And if you're a Warhammer fantasy fan, I've got some cool stuff for you this week. Ooh, lordy. This is the KalevalaHammer.com site. K-A-L-E-V-A-L-A-Hammer.com. Jack Days over there has been doing a bunch of uh, unofficial rules expansion and material for Warhammer Fantasy. And I saw that they've got their source book, Norska, The Grim North of Perilous Adventure, version 2.0 up. Norska being an icy mountainous peninsula in the far north under the shadow of chaos from the old world lore. And... Uh, not only does it have this source book, which is like over 200 pages long, but it also has uh, rules they've done around Norska, a bunch of stuff for Warhammer Fantasy 3rd Edition, not just 3rd Edition, but then stuff for 2nd Edition, and 1st Edition Warhammer Fantasy, as well as a big map. So they've developed uh, you know, this, uh, a bunch of stuff for the, for the Norska region here. Uh, for all the, uh, you know, kind of classic editions of, of Warhammer Fantasy. And it looks like they probably got a bunch of other stuff, too, in the sidebars that I, I, I haven't really uh, delved too deeply into. But but anyway, maybe start with this and and check it out. If you're into Warhammer, check this out. That's Kalevala Hammer. Thanks for that cool stuff, Jack Days. Awesome. Now, I've mentioned Rob Conley before. They do a lot of cool cartography, a lot of stuff related to Judges Guild. Um, materials, Rob blogs over at batintheattic.blogspot.com. They put up a post that has nothing to do with free stuff. It's just called Thoughts on Metagaming, where they're talking about, uh, you know, it's it's a worthwhile post in and of itself. They link to a couple of discussions that have been going on with metagaming recently and their views on it. But then just an unrelated side note at the bottom in passing, they mentioned that they made a minor update to their Majestic Wilderlands basic rules. And I've and seeing that, I've ha I've had that for a while, but you know, obviously not the, with the new uh, minor um, errata or whatever. But uh, and seeing that, I realize there might be listeners out there that don't have a copy of this. This is uh, compatible with like white box swords and wizardry or anything kind of OD and D based. It's uh, kind of Rob's spin on a, a rule system, heavily influenced by their their long running Wilderlands campaign. And uh, so I've got that. Anyway, the link is up there, but at the bottom of the page is where you'll actually see the, the link to the free game. But it made me think about, I've always said Wilderlands, but I've heard a few people on podcasts say Wilderlands. And I'm wondering, huh. But see, I always say Wilderness, so I say Wilderlands, but other people say Wilderlands. 
guess Wilderlands kind of sounds cooler, but I'm going to stick with Wilderlands. But it was making me think about, uh, it's totally off topic, but making me think about other words that I, I know I say different than others. Like, I much pr prefer tiefling to tiefling, but everybody says tiefling, so even I get stuck saying it, but I, I think tiefling sounds cooler. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. Eh. Anyway, off topic, but check out that free Majestic Wilderlands. Uh, I said it. Majestic Wilderlands. Dang it. Majestic Wilderlands basic rules over at .com. Tifling, Tiefling, Wilderlands, Wilderlands. Okay, Frost. Keep it together. D20 Pirates. D20Pirates.blogspot.com. Uh, this site will do some homebrew for uh, Savage Worlds from time to time. And uh, they've got this Artificer post up. Artificer for Savage Worlds and the Six Gun. Six Gun is a Savage Worlds setting, uh, but you could use this really for any Savage Worlds like Wild West type deal. Maybe even be inspired to use it for other, uh, for other RPGs as well. So it's a four-page PDF um, introducing artificers into uh, Old West Savage Worlds games. That's a free download over at D20 Pirates. Let's see. Okay, so now there's no PDF on this, but this was such a great post. I, I printed it to PDF, and I just thought other people would like to share, you know, would like to check it out. Especially uh, maybe um, <clears throat> uh, Mr. Yoder over at Random Encounters in the Library, because this is a Crypt World investigation, like a full-length Crypt World adventure called the Bayview Strangler. And this is over at worldcreatorstoolbox.blogspot.com, Tegius's blog. So it's got maps, it's got NPCs, it's got you know, day by day happenings. It's a, it's a, it's a really well done, you know, comprehensive adventure. It is all in blog form. You'd have to print it out to PDF or something, or, you know, just bookmark it to use it. But, uh, so much effort had gone into it that, uh, I thought I'd mention it. That's, uh, uh, the Bayview Strangler for Crypt World over at worldcreatorstoolbox.blogspot.com. All right, and then I thought I'd mention this. This is over at the CthulhuReborn.wordpress.com site. Now, they've got all kinds of cool stuff at this site as far as downloads go. If you've never, um, if you've never checked it out, they're the folks behind Convicts and Cthulhu set in the uh, like penal colonies of Australia. And uh, they got all kinds of Cthulhu-related props and stuff you can download for free. But, but they start talking about Open Cthulhu here. And... Um, Open Cthulhu is an attempt to make a open SRD of the uh, like D100 Chaosium system for Call of Cthulhu. Now, one of the reasons I mentioned this just to discuss it, it's got a link to the Open Cthulhu's Open Cthulhu site where you can download a PDF of the SRD. But they got a lot of pushback uh, mentioning this on the basic role playing, you know, Chaosium forums, as you can maybe imagine. <clears throat> And you had Chaosium uh, get really, you know, kind of up in arms about it. I can't remember if they actually threatened legal action or it seemed like it was turning that way. But then no legal action. And then lo and behold, just like a couple days ago on the uh, basic role-playing forums, they announced that they're making an SRD of basic role-playing, you know, that you can use to, to, to you know, publish, you know, content with the uh, Chaosium kind of classic basic role-playing rules, the kind of engine behind RuneQuest, Call of Cthulhu, a bunch of other stuff. I, you know, and, and it's 
they probably just realized they can't sue over these rules, you know. <laughs> um, now, this post does a good job of talking about how murky the rights are to certain terms, you know, and uh, it actually shows uh, a table showing the name substitutions in the De Delta Green Handler's Guide uh, and how they're subs having to substitute names because of, you know, being property of all these different uh, mythos writers and all this kind of stuff. But as far as the actual basic rules, um, you know, no matter how many times you hear somebody tell you, it, it, it's hard to, to get over it, but you know, you can't really copyright the rules. Um, I know even for me, it still seems, uh, I'd still be nervous trying to put something out with, with the rules of something else. It, Cause you're always just kind of hammered in this copyright and copyright infringement and stuff over and over but i guess the way to really look at it, it's almost like football you know like you, no one owns the game of football you know they own the the uniform colors the labels the names the 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 the, the, the recordings that are made of it but but football is just football right and that's kind of the way it works for rpgs now i'm no lawyer don't do what frost says disclaimer uh, but that's the way I always try to kind of look at it and understand it. And it just kind of goes to show, you know, when you start this open Cthulhu and it goes from, we're going to see you to, we're not going to see you. We're going to do our own SRD, you know, can't beat them, join them type deal. And, um, so it, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Um, you know, right now they've got this whole Miskatonic repository deal which is sort of like a DMs Guild type deal where, you know, they're getting 50% of the cut of third-party content that people put up on uh, one bookshelf sites. And when you have a an open SRD like this, I don't know how much, <clears throat> how important it'll be pe to people to, you know, to utilize exact terms or, you know, give up 50% profit when you can use the rule set for free, who knows? Um, we'll see, but there's so many games now, you know, I've talked about traveler either last week or the week before how much, you know, open, you know, SRDs and all these kind of things there are for these games. Now <clears throat> it looks like, uh, chaosium, at least, uh, to some extent has taken the can't, if you can't beat them, join them, um, attitude towards this open Cthulhu upstarts thing. So, Anyway, I mean, I think it's good to have rules that are just out there in the open that people can make stuff. It's only going to make your game better, I mean, um, and, and, and bring more people to it, I think, in the long run. But, you know, people have criticized free stuff before, you, you know, so <laughs> everybody's got a different perspective. Anyway, that's enough of that. If you want to check that out, it's an interesting article over at CthulhuReborn.wordpress.com that links over to Open Cthulhu, where you can download the latest version of their SRD and see what Open Cthulhu is all about. Just a few miscellaneous things to pop through. Starting over at Dumpstat Adventures, DumpstatAdventures.com. They did a post looking back at one of my favorite monsters over the course of all the D&D editions, a deep dive into the Aboleth. So yeah, speaking of Lovecraft and Cthulhu-esque sort of monsters, the uh, Aboleth definitely fits in, you know, somewhere in that realm. 
Uh, so it's got stats and images of the Aboleth over all the additions and everything. So uh, great post. Uh, Dumpstat's done a few of these, looking back at different monsters, and I always really enjoy these retrospectives uh, that they do over there. So that's at dumpstatadventures.com. Over at the most unread blog on the internet ever, most unread blog ever.blogspot.com, this is Tommy, Bra Tommy Brownell's blog. They mentioned, I was going to talk about this for the final topic, but settled on something else, but it, it, they, they talk about Feed Me Games, a new social media site for gamers. Say, so I don't know who, who's out here reading this, but they thought they'd mention they joined up at Feed Me Games, a social media site geared specifically for gamers. Looks solid so far, not just, but not a lot of people are engagement yet. A few G-plus refugees have trickled in. Basic interface is very Facebook-esque. And uh, I was just thinking about it. It's like still the aftermath from Google Plus, you know. Like I joined Pluspora. I've since stopped. There's just no one posting on that thing. I tried Pluspora. Um, I'm on MeWe, but it's just um, I, I like. You know, there are still a lot of people there, but it's uh, um, the cool thing about MeWe is that uh, you know you can choose who you follow. You, you can be you know, uh, really kind of selective and everything. Um, uh, but it's just, you know, it's just not the same. You know what I mean? It's not the same. You know, you got people on Facebook. One of the things I don't like about Facebook is, you know, you have moderators. It's kind of the same thing as some forums, you know. Uh, it, it's not kind of self-moderation like you had with, with Google+. And of course, I, I'm on Twitter a little bit, you know, I plug my stuff on there and, and follow some people along with some people, but just doesn't have the same kind of, it's not even built to have the same kind of discussion or, um, you know, type thing you had on Google Plus where it was kind of like micro blogging or, or whatever. You know, it's, uh, so here's another one to try, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, uh. Uh, people trying to fill that that void that that Google Plus left. I don't know if it could be filled. Um, uh, maybe if someone made something that was just exactly like Google Plus in the interface, but even then, you'd, it's kind of like the magic's gone. Like everybody's spread out. Um, I don't know if you'll ever see something like that again. It's it's a it was a strange thing, but it was magical while it lasted. But but. But anyway, I might make a, an account on here, make, you know, my 88th social media account for gaming. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, not trying to be too critical on it. People are just trying to organize and share stuff with gamers. Nothing wrong with that. So you want to check that out. Um, this post is over at Most Unread Blog Ever about this new Feed Me Games social media site. All right, so this was a cool post. I, I could have put this under the free stuff. I could have put it under the retrospect reviews and retrospectives. I just put it under miscellaneous because it was a, you know, more than one thing together. But Halinar Frosthelm blogs over at Original Dungeons and Dragons.blogspot.com, the Ruins of Murkhill blog, and uh, they say that Craig Van Grastek, the author of Rules to the Game of Dungeon, I'll get to that in a in a minute has graciously allowed me to republish some of his recent postings over at the Ruins of Murkhill Forum. So this is some postings by this person, Craig Van Grastek, who is credited with creating the very first, uh, at least the first printed, earliest known Dungeons & Dragons variant from 1974, Rules to the Game of Dungeon. So there's a second link over to legendary John Peterson's Playing at the World blog, um, 
and you can download this 1974 dungeon variant that they went through and cleaned up and everything so you can see this uh you know early early D&D variant that this person um, Craig Van Grastek created and then you know be sure and read this post because you want to hear about what what gaming was like in the earliest days and their experiences it's 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 a, a pretty substantial post and, and very very interesting if you're interested in the history of the game so anyway I appreciate Helen R. Frosthelm for posting that and and also linking over to John Peterson's playing at the world blog where you can download these uh these early Dungeon and Dragon variant rules for free Finally, as far as miscellaneous stuff, Anne Hunter from the DIY and Dragons blog. I always enjoy Anne's stuff, always putting up some interesting posts, whether it's random tables or, 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 other, or, or otherwise. Anyway, I really enjoyed this one, diyandragons.blogspot.com. Choose your own miscellany, history, reading, and maps. And this is all about the old choose-your-own-adventure books. So there's a link to a post at Mental Floss about a brief history of the choose-your-own-adventure books. Um, an, another uh, link, and then one that I thought was really interesting at Atlas Obscura. These maps reveal the hidden structure of Choose Your Own Adventure books. So it's like I put an image of it, but it's like a kind of a flowchart map type deal where you see where all the different paths could could lead you. I thought that was fascinating to look at like that. But I absolutely love Choose Your Own Adventure books. And I mentioned this before. I wish I had had fighting fantasy game books and everything. If I could have mixed some dice and role play or, you know, just a game, you know, a dice game into a choose your own adventure book, that would have been like paradise heaven to me. Uh, when I was little, I would have, I would just would have played the living hell out of those things, but I didn't have that, but I did have choose your own adventure books and those were my favorites. And I, uh, devoured them. I'd go through them and then I'd go through deliberately every kind of you know permutation trying all the different ways to see what the, the story would have been and uh i absolutely love those i think they're great for kids um just a great idea um all the way around still are great so if you like those as much as me you know they do tie into uh to fantasy you know by virtue of like the aforementioned solo game books and and uh, a lot of them had fantasy themes to them and um, so anyway, if you enjoyed those like I did, that's over at diyandragons.blogspot.com. Choose your own miscellany, history, reading, and maps about the choose-your-own-adventure books. All right, so for the, for the final topic, I'm asking the question, is it even possible to make a good D&D movie? <laughs> well, uh, this is all prompted by an um, article that gives some information about you know this upcoming Dungeons & Dragons movie we've been hearing about. And... Uh, this is over at comicbook.com. Dungeons and Dragons movie to focus on the Eye of Vecna will feature a Forgotten Realms character. So it's little tidbits. It, uh, it's talking about, you know, it'll be a group of adventurers looking for the Eye of Vecna. Uh, and a little bit about, you know, there'll be like a half dragon. So I guess like a dragonborn character, uh, a gnome thief. Um, there'll be a dragon involved. Uh, be a, a tiefling or tiefling and, uh, and that sort of thing. And it just got me thinking about, you know, the, the D and D movies over time, you know, uh, not a good string, you know, not, not a good batting record. 
uh, batting average for the D&D movies. And a lot of people will say, well, the first one was terrible, but, but this, the second one wasn't so bad or whatever. But yeah, it was, you know, it's, it's, they were terrible. Uh, they're just maybe not as, you know, maybe look better compared to the first one. But I'll say, I would say that the first one is actually my favorite, you know, simply, you know, precisely because it was bad, you know, at least it's camp, you know, at least, uh, um, at least it's, it crosses into the so bad it's good range and not, uh, where you're trying to make something good and then it, it's bad. And, uh, uh, I don't know. Now, D&D's representation and things on the small screen on television have been much kinder, um, you know, starting with the cartoon and then while there hadn't really been a straight up D&D, I don't know, like a D&D show, when it comes up in, in shows like Stranger Things and, uh, and even I think a recent episode of South Park, I haven't seen it yet, but um, I usually enjoy it. Um, in fact, uh, even commercials have been have been good. I don't, I don't know if anyone missed this uh, Renault car commercial where they use live action actors portraying the um, portraying the heroes from the old cartoon. But I, I put a link up of that under the under the uh, final topic on the um, on the blog. Y'all can't tell. I got up to do retake this this segment. I I, I didn't like how I had had done it um, last night. I usually record these on Tuesdays. Wanted to redo it because I was a little maybe a little bit too negative about the prospects of a D and D movie. Um, now I can tell you, you know, the attempts to make a good D and D movie have gone back quite a ways. There's a great article at theescapistmagazine.com. Uh, and this is John Peterson again from um, Playing at the World, but it's called Inside the Lost 1980s Dungeons and Dragons movie that Gary Gygax loved. And it's all about the attempts of uh, Gary Gygax to get a D&D movie made in the early 80s. And if you read Dragon, old Dragon magazines of this time, this was when Gygax was at his absolute most arrogant, you know, completely most full of himself. And he would, uh, you know, this is where if you... He would trash people's zines in the dragon. He trashed, you know, Conan the Barbarian. Um, he, you know, trashed uh, Lord of the Rings cartoon. I know that one's just kind of an acquired taste, but... And just really had a lot of, you know, call it confidence, but direct quote was, I promise all of you that if the D&D film isn't of the quality of Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark, I will not only blast it, but I'll apologize to you as well. Give us a chance to prove that the genre can be good, you know, as if there's never been a good fantasy movie. So what was, uh, what was Gary's idea to compete with Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark? Well, the story begins with Tom Boyman, a 23-year-old Californian who's finally saved up enough money to begin their studies at Yale. On their way to catch their bus, they meet Milton Fearless Gilroy, a car racer, who convinced them to go to a county fair before leaving. At the fair, they, they chance upon Margot Champion, a senior who's summering in California at an archaeological dig, and the three of them strike up a, fit, a friendship, visit a dig site, and a mysterious power brings them to another world with characters like the Master, one lord 
and the evil Night King, who is dark beyond your powers to imagine. So, yeah, I mean, that sounds, you know, almost unspeakably terrible, right? Which is why I wish it had been made. It's, it would have been great, you know, early 80s, uh, presumably low, you know, not a great budget. I'm imagining it, it would probably would have come across somewhere along the lines of like the Masters of the Universe He-Man movie, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it could have been the movie to, to, to end all D&D movies, like literally, like they never would have made another D&D movie, but at the same time, it probably would have been a, a cult classic. You know, it probably, it, and, you know, maybe I'm warped to think that way, certainly more than a little cynical, but, uh, you know, it's almost where, because the movies have been so bad, um, it's hard for me to imagine what a good Dungeons and Dragons movie would look like. I'm just, uh. I know I was surprised by the quality, you know, of the Marvel superheroes movies, you know, I didn't maybe think that, that comic book or, you know, superhero movies could be that good. So with, with, with really talented people working on it, the right script and this kind of thing, maybe, maybe it's possible. Certainly, I guess anything's possible, but it's a tall order, you know, and, uh, given the kind of the track record, it's really, uh, it's just hard for me to imagine. I don't even know what a really good D and D movie would look like. I know what a, a so bad it's good D and D movie would look like. And that's like what Gygax had planned. So, um, I'll ask you, uh, given what we've read so far and everything or in the history of, uh, of D and D movies, is it even possible to make a good D and D movie? All right, so that is the show for this week. I had fun putting it together, and I hope you had fun listening to it. I really appreciate folks for checking out the show. And I'm really appreciative of these RPG bloggers that put out such amazing stuff every week, week after week, so that I have something to talk about. So um, I had fun. I hope you had fun listening. You can always call in with any comments or anything about anything we talk about. If you use the Anchor app, you can message me there. Or if you're just at my Anchor page, there's a little button that says message. Don't be shy. Feel free to give me a message and I can play it on the show. You can be part of the show. Well, how can you support this program? I'm sure that's the next thing you're wondering, right? <laughs> like I mentioned, you can put me on your blog roll. You can share this on social media, let other folks know about it. Uh, and you can also join my Patreon if you like. Patreon.com forward slash Thought Eater. It's only one tier. It's just $1 a month. Uh, throw a dollar in the tip jar if you like what I'm doing. And I really appreciate folks that are backing me on there right now. I am starting to make a call out to Anchorites and any other listeners. I'm wanting to put together a podcast at, at the beginning of the year about gamer resolutions. So... What game are you wanting to play next year? What's something you want to learn and do differently? What's something you ever tried before that you want to do? What's something, uh, what's a product you're looking forward to? Anything to do with a new year. You know, I know it's really in the grand scheme of things, it's just another day, but you can't help when a new year is dawning and an old year is coming to a close, starting to evaluate things and uh, look at your life and all this kind of stuff. And gaming is no different. So 
What are your New Year gaming resolutions? I'd love to hear from some folks. I can put it all together on a podcast. I think it would make for interesting listening. So whether you're an Anchorite podcasting here on Anchor or just someone just checking out my shows, don't uh, you know? Please uh, don't be shy. Give me a call, either on the Anchor app or through the um, uh, the regular Anchor site. Leave me a voice message. I'll put you on the show. I'll also be posting this question on social media so you can comment there and I can read some of the comments as well. So, so New Year's Gamer Resolutions. Think about that and uh, hopefully over the month I'll collect enough stuff to put something together. Let's see. If you just want to send me an email, froth, S-O-F, frothsoff at gmail.com. Again, all of these links are up at the Thought Eater blog, frothsoffdnd.blogspot.com. Special thanks, as always, to Frank T., Frank Turfler, for backing, uh, for helping support the program, with the MAP segment, patreon.com forward slash Frank T. Check out Frank's stuff. It's world class. I love it, and I know you will, too. Uh, I'm hitting that delirium moment, so I'm trying to think if there's anything else to talk about. Oh, yeah, Friday I'm going to talk about, I've been meaning to do this for a little while, didn't get to it last week, but I was sent a copy of this cool game. It's like a, and uh, like a D and D variant. It's kind of a mix of classic and modern, with a twist. It's called Melu Blood and Bones. So I'm going to talk about that on Five Minute Friday, and uh, then this weekend, uh, hopefully my dogs win the SEC championship. But whether they do or don't, I'll be running my Froth University game. That'll be session four. If you haven't checked out Session 3, it's up now. Uh, Savage World's 1980s horror comedy game. It's been a lot of fun. If you want to check out those recaps, uh, please do. And um, other than that, Logan, let's go. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade. Zeroing in on your mental trade. Gonna help you escape from the grind. Thought eater gonna blow your mind.